0: how's it going guys welcome back to the dad tired podcast i'm your host jared lopes join me every monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with jesus and help our families do the same you can learn more about our books resources conferences and even online community by going to dadtired.com let's dive into today's episode hey guys welcome back to the dad tired show glad that you're here if you just stumbled upon the podcast i'm super glad that you did man uh, we're just a bunch of guys who are trying to figure out what it looks like to lead our family to Jesus. So if you have no idea where to even begin on that, my first suggestion would be to go to dadtired.com and then we actually have a free book there that you can read and uh, it's f- totally free to download. It will take you about 30 minutes to get through and it's just 10 practical ways that you can start pointing your family to Jesus uh, like as of today. So uh, if you just feel stuck and you don't really know what you're doing, and you but you want to try to get better at this, go to dadtired.com forward slash free book. And you can download that free book and get started on that today. Uh, We also have a community on Facebook. So if you just go to dadtired.com and click the community tab, that will link you over to that closed group that we have over there. Uh, Today, we're talking about what it looks like to be dads who are not absent even when they're present. And I'll dive into more of what I mean by that and what that looks like very practically. But before we do, I do want to thank my friends over at the Christian Standard Bible for sponsoring today's episode. They have a Bible called the Legacy Note Taking Bible, which is this beautiful Bible. It's, it's, it's a Bible, obviously, but it's also like an heirloom. It's something that you can pass down to your kids and your kids' kids, uh, which, you know, we're a big fan of that kind of thing over at Dad Tire. We're thinking generationally, not just. Uh, in the here and now. And so uh, we never want to think through reading God's Word as just something that we're trying to check off the to-do list. We always want to actually take the time to spend time with God, reflect on His Word, process our thoughts, and you can take notes. They've got a bunch of margin in the Bible where you can take notes. And it's just this beautifully put together Bible that's going to last for years and years and years. You pass it on to your kids and your grandkids. And uh, and so it's a, it's it's my favorite Bible. It's my go-to Bible, um, especially one that I'm thinking through, like what kind of thoughts do I want to put down and see how my kids and my grandkids can see how I am processing through this journey of what it looks like to try to follow Jesus. So again, you can get this Bible. It's called the Legacy Notebook Bible. You can get it wherever Bibles are sold. Uh, and I highly, Recommend that. That being said, let's dive into today's episode. So, a couple of days ago, um, we were out driving doing some errands. I had the kids with me in the car. My wife was working, so it's just me and the three kids. And uh, my daughter, she's in a year and a half, she's just screaming in the background. And if you have a year and a half year old, you know that that's the stage of parenting um, where your kids just like they, They have lots of opinions and they have no way to articulate those opinions because they don't have the vocabulary yet. And so she's just screaming all the time. She's very frustrated. She has has all these things that she wants to say and us to do, and she doesn't know how to communicate them. And her only way of communication is screaming. And so it's just as I'm driving, I'm hearing her scream and my kids are trying to help, but they're also arguing with each other. And it's just chaos. You know this scene. If you are a dad, we've all been here as dad tired guys. And so it's just chaos. And I just snap man. I just like yelled. I'm like, be quiet. What do you want? You know, so I just, I kind of lost it. Uh, and then we get home and I don't remember what's happening. We were up in one of the rooms and I'm trying to like organize something or do whatever. I don't even remember what I was doing, but I, I said something kind of sharp to my son and my daughter who right now is six years old said, daddy, it seems like you're in a grumpy mood today. And uh, (laughs) which, you know, that's always a fun fun uh experience as a dad to have your six year old call you out and <laughs> to tell you what you're feeling emotionally. But she's right, man. I couldn't even like get mad. I, I wasn't even like I wasn't even mad at her. I couldn't like defend myself. The truth is I was in a grumpy mood. And whenever that happens, like instead of just defending myself or making excuses or, you know, telling her, no, I'm not, it's your fault or whatever, I always try to use that as a warning light that goes off on the dash that's indicating to me something's wrong under the hood. We talked even a little bit about this last week. But uh, you know, I'm just trying to figure out. Okay, when situations like this happen, and there's a moment where I'm kind of called out, I, I just want to, instead of defending myself and blaming other people, I, I really want to be introspective. I want the Holy Spirit to use that as an opportunity to really like point out what's going on in my heart. And so I just try to ask myself. You know, I went downstairs and just took like five minutes to figure out like what what's going on in my own heart here. And so I'm just trying to process. What's really going on? And the truth is, man, I I had all kinds of other things on my mind, and it felt like I didn't. I would never have articulated this or have said this, but if I'm honest with myself, it felt like my kids were getting in the way of all the things that I was trying to accomplish that day. Even simple things like making sure that we had groceries for the day, or that the car was filled up with gas, or that I got my work done that day, whatever it is. But they were getting in the way of that, and uh, and so then because I felt subconsciously like they were getting in the way. I was annoyed or I snapped or I lost my patience. And so, yeah, I just it was a it was a moment for me, it was really revealing to me to really figure out, okay, man, what? how do I change this? Because I don't want to be a dad who snaps at my kids and makes them feel like they're in the way. I don't want to be a dad who feels like my kids are in the way all the time. One of the things I, I hear guys consistently say, as I've talked to guys about fatherhood over the last several years, one of the things I hear them consistently say about their own childhood is two things. Number one, they either uh, say that their dad left and their dad was not around and uh, he he just wasn't present at all. That was actually my story growing up. My dad and I actually didn't become close until later on in life. He wasn't around physically. He he wasn't around, and so I talked to him and saw him a couple times a year, but other than that, he he just physically wasn't there. So that's a lot. I know a lot of your guys' stories. Your dad just simply was not there. He wasn't around physically. But then I hear this other side where I hear guys say my dad was around, like physically he was there, but emotionally and like just in and. and, and Every other way he was, he was absent. So he was present, but he was absent. And it was almost like not having my dad there, which man, I don't know, honestly, what, what's more heartbreaking um, than that? Like, I don't know which one of those scenarios hurts worse, your dad physically not being there or him physically being there, but you don't feel like he's really there for you. Both of those are like detrimental um, realities that I don't think any kid should experience. And I know a lot of guys, I hear this so many times that guys say that their dad just, he was present, but he just wasn't around. And, uh, and, And part of the success of being a dad is being physically present. Layla and I were just reading yesterday all these statistics on just if a dad is physically in the home, like things are better. Um, at at bare minimum, if if he just like sticks around, (laughs) um, at bare minimum, things get better if he just stays around. And so we need dads to just like, if you're going to do nothing, at least just stick around. Despite how dad tired you are, despite how hard things are, despite how hard your marriage is, don't leave. Like just stick around. Things will be better for generations if you just stay. But that being said, like I, I don't want my standard for fatherhood just to be that I simply didn't leave. You know what I mean? Like I don't want my standard just to be, well, Well, I I was here, wasn't I? I was thinking about my dad even just recently and his dad was completely absent and, and really from what I know, um, not that great of a dude. I, I know very, very little about my grandpa, but it sounds like he wasn't a very good dude. I never even met the guy, but my dad uh, has very strong negative feelings towards his dad. And so for my dad to even like know me and talk to me in his mind, uh, you know, he's made significant leap forward in becoming a better dad. And uh, and he's, he's trying his best and he's figuring it out. And I've got a lot of grace and love for my dad. Um, especially over the last few years as, as we've worked towards more healing. And I'll, I'll talk about that on future podcasts, hopefully. But I, I just don't want the standard to be that I'm a little bit better than my dad. You know what I mean? And and I don't want your standard to be, well, my dad wasn't around. And so at least I'm I'm here, right? I didn't divorce my wife. I didn't leave my kids. I'm here. Like that... I just know if you're listening to this podcast, I just have this deep feeling. I'm pretty convinced that's not your standard either. You're not just trying to like not leave. And, uh, and, and I'm just thankful that that's not what God does for us. I want to be the kind of dad for my kids, the way that God fathers us. And I mean, I, I just thank God that He doesn't ignore us all the time and then say, like, why are you upset? I'm here, aren't I? Like, I didn't leave. I didn't blow up the world or I didn't leave you on your own. I'm still around. <laughs> you know, could you imagine if that's how God treated us? Like, He just, I'm here. You know, I'm not going to answer your prayer or listen to you or care about anything in your life, but I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> like, just that's not at all what God does. Like, God is involved in the day to day details and He loves us and He knows us intimately. And he, even with all that God has going on, He's still deeply involved in our day-to-day lives and he knows every part of us. And that's the kind of father I want to be to my kids. I know that's probably the kind of father you want to be to your kids. And so we can't get to the spot where we feel like our kids are in the way um, or where we're snapping at them because they're, they're in the way of all the other things that we're trying to accomplish. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is we can't be the kind of dads who are absent even when we're present. You know what I mean? I just imagine that Jesus like when i picture Jesus walking around on earth one thing that i picture often is that he looked people in the eyes a lot um one of my favorite stories in the scriptures is actually when a guy one of his disciples peter comes and he meets Jesus and uh, i've done episodes on peter i've written on peter i've, I've Top messages on Peter. Uh, He's one of my favorite uh, people in the Bible. But one thing that's fascinating about when Jesus and Peter met is there's this word that they wouldn't have shaken hands because that wasn't customary. Like that wasn't part of the social norm to shake somebody's hand. Um, But when they when they met each other, the the Bible uses this word "emblepo," and the word "emblepo" means that there's like this deep soul to soul connection. Like when they looked each other in the eyes, it was almost as if Jesus was looking into his soul. And there's some powerful stuff about even just the word "emblepo" and how it's used specifically in the relationship between Peter and Jesus. And in fact, one of the the deepest ways that it's used is when Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. And one of the gospels says that Jesus turns around after Peter had just denied him, and they looked in the eye. And that word there is "emblepo" again, just like when they first met. It was this deep soul to soul connection, almost as if Jesus was looking into Peter's soul when he was denying him, really, really powerful stuff. But I just imagine, dude, that Jesus, like he looked at people in the eyes a lot. Like that. that's the kind of person I imagine Jesus was. Like when you were with him, he's constantly entering into that emblapo mode where he's like looking in deep into your eyes and he's beyond just seeing the outside of you. He's like looking inside of you. Like he's seeing your soul and who you are and he's he's giving you his full attention at the deepest level. Like this is the kind of God that we serve. What we don't see Jesus doing is uh, like overlooking people as he's trying to save people. Could you imagine that? Like Jesus, his whole point of coming to earth, was that he would save humans from sin, that he would rescue them, that he would invite them into a new kingdom, into the way things were meant to be and supposed to be. And so Jesus, when he was interacting with people, he like gave them his full attention. You don't see him looking over people to try to accomplish his mission. What you don't see Jesus is saying like, hey, can you just like, can you hurry up with that story? Or can you like hurry, hurry, hurry? Like, can you just get to the point here? Cause I got, I'm going to go try to save people. Jesus knew that that the person right in front of him was part of the mission. Like this is the mission. He came to save people. And now he's looking the people that he came to save right in the eyes. He didn't hurry past them. He didn't tell them, get on with your story or get to the point, or I don't have time for that right now because I'm trying to do something bigger. No, he knew that like the person right in front of me, that is the mission. This is what I came here for. That person and for all people and whoever is right in front of me has my attention. They have my love. They have everything that I have to give them. He was fully present when he was present. And our mission as men is right in front of us. It's not work. Our mission isn't our hobbies or the way that we can scale up on the social ladder or the way that we can accomplish more at work or get more things done. It's not filling up the bank account. Like our mission are the little humans under our care that we have the honor and the privilege of discipling. This is our mission. We don't get to say, hurry up, get to the point. You're in the way. They are what we're here for. Our goal. Now, listen, hear me clearly. uh, Our worlds are not supposed to revolve around our kids. That's an unhealthy relationship. But I think you know what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is there's really like what more thing, what could be more important in your life than to give your full attention to your children and to your wife, to your family? What could be more important than being fully present with the people that God has put right in front of you? What other relationship, what other thing is worth chasing after than to give your kids and your wife your full attention to be fully present while being present? Hey guys, we're going to talk about what it looks like to be present while being present. But before we do, I want to thank my friends over at Blinkist for sponsoring today's episode. I love Blinkist. They're one of my favorite apps that I use on my phone constantly. Uh, We're always trying to learn as guys and it's really hard as busy dads to continue to find the time to sit down and learn something, which is why I love them because what they do is they take 3,000, over 3,000 nonfiction bestsellers. They've got over 27 different categories and they condense them down into what they call blinks, which are just 15 minutes or less that you can either read a book or listen to a book and really get the main need to know information from thousands of books. Um, So again, if you don't have time to sit down and read a whole book or listen to a whole book, it will take the 15 minutes of best the need to know information and really condense it down to give you the information that you need for it. What they also have now, they've also uh, just launched a brand new feature where you can listen to full-length audiobooks and exclusive podcasts. So that's brand new, a feature that they've just launched on there. Really excited to try that out. I think you guys are going to love that as well as podcast listeners. I like to listen to a couple books every night before I go to bed just to continue to learn and uh, gain more knowledge in a short amount of time. Two books that I recommend that they have on there. They've got one on there for tired dads called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Uh, it's a great book to check out uh, just about sleep. And then they've also got uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Homer, which is one of my favorite books of 2020. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for you, our Dad Tired audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash tired to start your free seven-day trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership and up to 65% off audiobooks that you get to keep forever. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash tired, to get 25% off a premium membership and a seven-day free trial. That's Blinkist.com forward slash tired. Here's one of my biggest fears for us as dads. One of my biggest fears is that we're going to run past our kids in an effort to chase down a better life for them. I'm going to just say that one more time because I wanted to soak in. One of my biggest fears for us as dads is that we will run past our kids in an effort to chase down a better life for them. Uh, Layla and I, were we just bought a new home and we've been trying for almost our entire marriage to save up and to get ourselves in a position where we could buy a house. And we were renting for pretty much the entire time our kids have been alive. And, uh, and then we moved into a little town home kind of in the interim. And then we just, we saved up and we worked hard and we finally got in this home that we love. And it's, it's great for our little family and it's got a yard, which we wanted. And, uh, which it's kind of hard to find in Portland, like something that has a, a yard where the kids can play. And it was just amazing. And our kids loved it. Like we, we, we had been talking about this for years and we finally got into a home and our kids, they, they really loved it for about three days. <laughs> um and there was this moment like 3 days into this house when it just kind of like the the newness wore off and my son said hey daddy will you play in the backyard with me and uh, and when he said that i just thought man like this house means absolutely nothing if daddy isn't present and uh, the the house like sure the, you know the they're happy to have a room to sleep in and they're happy to have a yard to play in and whatever but like they're not going to grow old and think, man, I really love that house. Even though my daddy was never physically or or mentally around, like my dad, you know, he got us that house and that's really all we wanted in life. Dude, we all know that, right? And I guess I just subconsciously kind of thought like, if I get my kids a house that they love, you know, we'll be set. And the truth is, dude, they don't care like they don't, they're not any more happy in this house than they were in this little, tiny little town home that we just came from or the home, the small house that we were renting before. Uh, they just don't care. It means nothing to them if daddy's not present. What they'll look back on is not the house they lived in, but what they'll look back on was daddy present. And I guess what was crazy to me is I had spent so long, so many years of my life and their little lives chasing down this life for them. Like, man, if I could just get this, a house that for them, they'll really be happy. They didn't care. And what's, what, what's fearful to me is that we would spend so much time and energy chasing something down and we would actually run right past our kids in an effort to give them a better life. I think there are two main reasons for us as men that we run past our kids. Two reasons that we find ourselves snapping or we find ourselves, that, find ourselves thinking that our kids are getting in the way of what we're trying to do. There are two main reasons for this. Number one, we work super hard. like We work and we work and we work and then we justify our overworking by telling ourselves it's for our kids. And this may be you, man. This is what I was doing as I was working, 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 working. And the whole time I'm working so hard and giving all my attention and sometimes snapping at my kids because they're getting in the way of my work and all this, the, um, the whole time that's happening, I'm justifying my overworking by saying this is for my kids. What am I doing? I'm literally, I'm, I'm running past them emotionally while I'm trying to give them a better life. That The better life is daddy being present. That's the better life. That's the life that they need. Daddy being present, discipling them intentionally, loving them, having hard conversations with them, parenting their hearts, getting after their hearts. That is what they need. They don't need new house, new toys, new boats, and whatever. Like What they need is a daddy who is fully present with them. And I think for many of us, one of the reasons that we will overlook our kids is because we overwork and then we justify our overwork by saying it's for our kids. We run past them in an effort to create a better life for them. And then number 2, I think the second reason that we find ourselves doing this is we actually will start to numb out. We will find other things to occupy our minds. We'll we'll do hobbies or sports or TV or you know, it could be uh, it, bad things, it could be sinful things, other ways that you're numbing and checking out and then you justify your numbing. Uh, you justify your, well, I, I, I deserve this. I deserve this little bit of time. I deserve this little bit of sin. I deserve this whatever because I'm working so hard. And so then we justify kind of our numbing out. And then again, our kids get in the way of our quote unquote leisure. We deserve a break. We deserve a little bit of rest. And so now my kids are getting in the way of that. And so again the two things that I think cause us to not be fully present with our kids is number one we're overworking and justifying our overworking by saying it's for our kids or and or we are over-leisuring we're we're going into hobbies we're finding things that we think will kind of give us rest of our souls either things that just you know are normal hobbies or even sinful things and we justify that because we're saying we're working so hard like I deserve a break. Now hear me loud and clear like work and breaks, neither of those are bad. In fact, both are commanded. God commands his people to work and he commands his people to rest. But overwork and overbreaking is a sin. To work too much and to to be lazy is a sin. And both of those will often lead to emotional neglect of our families, which is the reason we're doing all of this in the first place. We're saying we're working for our families. And we're saying we're resting so we can be better men or whatever. But if we do those too much, they actually become sinful and they oftentimes will lead to neglect of our families. Well, I am working because I'm just trying to give my family a better life or I need this break because I've been working so hard. Dude, what what our kids need, our kids need daddies who are present. And so what does it look like for us as men who are going to try to lead our families well? It means that we are going to have to find more creative ways to rest our souls in more healthy ways. It means we're going to have to figure out our work-life balance. It means we're going to have to figure out are there other things that are sucking our attention or our time that don't make sense in the kingdom that don't make sense for my grandkids and my great-grandkids, things that I'm chasing after or putting time or energy or money towards that just simply don't make sense when I'm thinking about three generations from now, the kind of family that I'm trying to raise and to leave. And so are there there are times, man, like should you be going to bed earlier So that you can wake up earlier and get more things done. Uh, Are there things that are sucking your time and your attention? Netflix movies, Hulu things, uh, your phone, social media apps. Are there things that just need to be removed so you don't find yourself overcrowding your mental space and then finding yourself like me snapping at your kids unreasonably? Are there things that just need to be pulled out, man? Dude, dude, we talked about this a few weeks ago about the morning routine. I am a better dad when I wake up early and kind of get things in order, get some work done before my kids wake up, spend some time with the Lord, do a little bit of workup. Dude, we just know if you've ever done a morning routine, you know you're a better husband and dad when you do it. Something as simple as that trying to eliminate some things. That means I have to eliminate some things at bedtime. I'm going to bed earlier so that I can wake up earlier and I'm putting in time with the Lord. I'm getting some work done before the kids wake up and I'm positioning myself where my soul is deeper rest. It means that I have to be intentional about Sabbath, but actually taking a day a week and not working at all, actually resting my soul. Letting it be holy and set aside. If you're just, if you're like, I have no clue how to Sabbath, we've got a bunch of episodes. Look at episodes that we've done on the podcast with Jefferson Bethge, John Mark Comer, AJ Swoboda. All these are guys who have come on and talked about Sabbath. Go back and listen to those episodes. We talk deeply about what it means to Sabbath and to rest well. But dude, men who rest well are men who give their attention to their kids well and who are fully present with their wife and kids because they're not hurried, they're not rushed, they don't see their kids as somebody that are getting in the way or their wife as someone who's getting in the way of all the other things they're accomplishing. You're balanced, you've done things better, you've prioritized the right things so that when your kids are sitting in front of you trying to tell you something, you don't have 15 other things on your mind that you're trying to get done. Your soul is a little bit more rested and men whose souls are at rest lead their family better. Men whose souls are rested give the attention to their wife and kids. They don't have a million other things on their mind. And then your kids start to feel more loved and more secure in your love. Your kids become kids who know that they can tell their daddy anything. Because here's the deal. Listen closely. A six-year-old who's telling you about her dolls and a puppy and her weird dream last night becomes a 16-year-old who's telling you about her doubts, her struggles, and her fears, man. A nine-year-old who's telling you about his Lego creation is later becoming a 20-year-old who's telling you about his sins and his shortcomings and his failures. Dude, when our kids begin to rest in the truth that daddy listens well, They start to feel confident, man, in going to their heavenly father who also gives them his full attention. They don't doubt whether they serve a God who hears them because they have a daddy who's modeled for them what that looks like here on earth. Would we not be men who are absent even when we're present? There's a higher bar than just not bailing, than just being physically around. We're not trying to just be men who didn't leave. We're trying to be men who show our kids a glimpse of the heavenly father. We serve a God who gives us his attention. And would we be men who gives the attention that our kids deserve? Will we not be absent when we're present? And the way that we do that as we find rest for our souls, we take things out of our life that are distracting us and pulling us away. Overwork, overplay, all these things that we're justifying because we're saying we're doing them for our kids. Man, we have to get our lives balanced where we run to the Father. We get our tanks filled by spending time with the Father. We cut out things that are pulling away from us unnecessarily so that we can be fully present. We don't feel rushed or hurried. Would we give our kids emblepo? Would our kids At an old age, say, man, my daddy, when he looked at me, it was like he was looking into my soul because that's what Jesus does. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.